The girdle comes out crooked. Very good. But there is no perfect diamond. In este mundo nada es perfecto, as my father will say. You're Sephardic? Yes. Do you know Spain? I do. And Spain me. At one time I thought she would return from the grave, but that is not to be. Every country that has driven out the Jews has suffered the same fate. Which is? <laughs> you don't want to hear. We should talk stones. The most valued stone is the red diamond from the Argyle mines. So very rare. I've seen two in a long life. A price almost beyond belief. I do want to hear. Uh, well, how to say? There's no culture save the Semitic culture there. The last known culture before that was the Greek, and there will be no culture after. Nothing. That's a bold claim. The heart of any culture is to be found in the nature of the hero. Who is that man who is revered? In the classical world, it is the warrior, but in the Western world, it is the man of God. From Moses to Christ, the prophet, the penitent. Such a figure was unknown to the Greeks, unheard of, unimaginable. Because there is only a man of God, not a man of gods. And this God is the God of the Jewish people. There is no other God. Jewish-Christian relations and the lunar calendar. Plus my comments. From Beginnings of Christianity. An introduction to the New Testament by Howard Clarke. Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, 37-100 CA, who became a collaborator with the Romans when they invaded and took over direct control of Palestine in response to the Jewish revolt, 67-70 CE, twice refers to Jesus in his Jewish antiquities. L. H. Feldman, the translator of Josephus in the Loeb Classical Library, has also produced a huge volume, Josephus in Modern Scholarship, 1937-1980, in which he provides summaries and critical observations on more than 3,500 books and articles dealing with Josephus and his writings. Section 23 of the work is devoted to the bearing of Josephus's writings on the history of Christianity, of which a major portion deals directly with the Testimonium Flavianum, as it came to be designated by scholars. The overwhelming consensus is that this passage has been interpolated by Christians. Josephus's second reference to Jesus appears in Jewish Antiquities 20.200, where he is dealing with the struggles for power that characterized life in Judea prior to the revolt of 66 CE. Conclusion Josephus also described the various voluntary groups within Judaism at the turn of the eras, including not only the Pharisees and Sadducees, who are mentioned in the New Testament, but also a group called the Essenes. The latter believed that God was directly active in human life. As noted above, they were convinced that the incumbent priests were corrupt, that the temple was not where God dwelt among his people, and that their group must call their contemporaries to proper worship of God and prepare them for the coming new age in which the purified covenant people in the true temple would be established. These Dead Sea documents foster an apocalyptic view of this new Jewish community, 
which claimed to be the true covenant people and perceived the collaboration of the Jewish leadership with the Hellenistic rulers, and later, with the Romans, as evidence of corruption and actions contrary to God's purpose for his true people. Hence the members of the true people of God were to withdraw to the wilderness, in order to prepare the way for the fulfillment of God's purpose for them. There they were to live in complete obedience to the law and the prophets. Christians do not realize how much they are Jews. They carry the soul of Judaism. They can't stand being told that, because they are proud to be Christians, but if there is no Judaism, there is no Christianism. The claimed disclosure of the divine purpose to this chosen community. On entering the community they were to take an oath to obey every commandment of Moses, in accord with all that has been revealed to the sons of Zadok, the keepers of the covenant and the seekers of his will, the leaders of the Dead Sea community. They were to live, in the wilderness, by these precepts until there would come to them the prophet, the Messiah of Aaron, and the Messiah of Israel, the royal and priestly messiahs. In the messianic rule found among the scrolls, those to be excluded from the assembly of God, are the paralyzed, the lame, the blind, and the deaf. The war rule describes the eschatological conflict with the powers of evil, light against darkness, which will lead to the defeat of these evil forces and the vindication of the people of God. The agent through whom this triumph will come is, a star out of Jacob. The Midrash on the last days announced the coming of two messiahs, the branch of David, and the interpreter of the law. In the Qumran document, Melchizedek is portrayed as the head of the, sons of heaven, who serves as God's agent of justice, a role that will continue until the final eschatological judgment and the defeat of Satan, the prince of darkness. It is expected that this leader will denounce those who rebel against God and that he will announce the coming of peace and of the anointed prince and comfort those who mourn. Clearly the aims of this Jewish movement as reflected in the Dead Sea Scrolls, to redefine the covenant community and to identify the messianic agents through whom the definition and the actualization will occur, were shared by the early Christians. The resolution of these issues by the early Christians, however, was radically different from that of the Qumran community. From dating the Passion, the life of Jesus and the emergence of scientific chronology, 200-1600, time, astronomy, and calendars, by C. Philip E. Notaft, notwithstanding the problems posed by the Passion chronology, the presence of implicit lunar calendar data, 14 or 15 Nisan, along with a clearly attested weekday, Friday, in the four Gospels. Since the calendar at that time was based on the sighting of the new moon crescent. Moreover, Astronomical calculations can only show that the moon was visible on a particular day, but never whether there was an actual sighting, which could be prevented by adverse atmospheric conditions, let alone if the Jewish authorities at the time really deemed it fit to sanctify the new moon for this exact day. In addition, the 3rd of April, AD 33, was the date of a partial lunar eclipse that may have been visible over Jerusalem during the evening of the crucifixion. It is conceivable that the memory of this phenomenon influenced certain passages in the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles, which recorded darkness, during the crucifixion, Matthew chapter 27 verse 45, Mark chapter 15 verse 33, Luke chapter 23 verses 44 to 45, and a moon turning to blood, Acts chapter 2 verse 20. Implicit in the latter is a powerful typological image, according to which Christ, as the sacrificial Lamb of God, was slain on the same day as the Passover Lamb. This notion is already present in the Pauline epistles, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, where Jesus is directly identified with the Passover Lamb. It also helps explaining why, 
During the first three centuries of Christian literature, the day of Christ's crucifixion was commonly associated with 14 Nisan, the day of preparation for Passover. From the second century onwards, however, Christian communities in Rome and elsewhere began to put greater emphasis on the weekday of the resurrection, making it binding practice to celebrate Easter on the Sunday that followed the Jewish Passover. While this step helped to emancipate the Christian push from its Jewish predecessor, the fact remained that 14 Nisan was a full moon date in the Jewish calendar. For Christians who had converted from paganism, this created something of a problem. Ever since the Julian reform of 4645 BC, the Roman calendar, which was used by most subjects of the empire in everyday affairs, had been purely solar, with an average year length of 365.25 days. You can understand why I said in another text, video that the Christians had inserted the lunar element in a solar cult. It was thus only natural if the Julian calendar became the framework for the emerging Christian liturgical year, with the birth of Jesus ending up on the 25th of December, the traditional Roman date of the winter solstice. Yet the question remained how Easter, as a date tied to the moon, could be accommodated within this framework. In this context, it is striking to observe that some Christian communities reacted to the problem by redefining 14 Nisan as the 14th day of the first month in their local solar calendar, thereby divorcing the remembrance of the crucifixion from the full moon. The 5th century church historian Sozoman reports that the Montanist sect of Asia Minor used to set Easter on April 6 or the Sunday thereafter, following a solar calendar whose first month of spring began on the 24th of March, while from Epiphanius of Salamis we learn that certain groups from the same region always celebrated the Pash on the 25th of March. For all others, who wanted to retain the lunar nature of 14 to 15 Nisan, it was necessary to keep track of the Jewish Passover. As long as the lunar months were determined empirically, it was impossible to foretell with any certainty the date of Passover, forcing Christians to await the respective decisions of the Jews. This ongoing dependency of Christian liturgy upon Jewish calendation must have been a continuing source of unease for the young church, especially in times and places where Christians were eager to emancipate themselves from the synagogue. Given such circumstances it was difficult, if not impossible, for the church to retain its desired goal of unity by celebrating Easter on the same date throughout the world. It is thus no surprise if Christians, from the early 3rd century onwards, were no longer prepared to walk in blindness and stupidity behind the Jews, as it was put by the anonymous North African author of the De Pasha Computus, 243, the earliest preserved treatise on Easter reckoning. This outspoken will to emancipation gave rise to the development of lunisolar cycles, adapted for the Julian calendar and specially designed for the calculation of the movable feast days. While several varieties of such cycles were proposed during late antiquity, they were all based on the same insight that, after a given number of years, the Easter full moon was bound to return to the same Julian calendar date as in some previ. O U.S. year, the interval between two such years comprises both a whole number of Julian years, 365.25 days, and a whole number of lunar months, 29.5306 days. The ratio between both periods has to come as close as possible to the decimal fraction contained in the excess of 12 lunar months compared with the Julian year, which is 0.3685. The latter can be approximated using the following common fractions, 3 eighths, 0.3750, 4 elevenths, 0.3636, 7 nineteenths, 0.3684, 31 eighty-fourths, 0.3690. 
As can be seen from these values, the most exacting approach will be to intercalate 7 lunar months in every 19 years, i.e. to equate 19 Julian years or 6939.75 days with 12 times 19 plus 7 equals 235 lunations. Moreover, since 235 lunar months are one day in excess, 12 lunar years of 354 days plus 7 embolismic months of 30 days plus 4.75 Julian leap days equals 6,940.75 days, over 19 solar years, one lunar day will have to be dropped at the end of each 19-year cycle. To medieval computists, this mechanism was known as the leap of the moon or Celtus lunae. While the 19-year cycle or any Kytesiteris was by far the best possible approximation to astronomical reality within reasonable length and eventually emerged as the sole standard of Easter reckoning in East and West, alternative cycles, based on luni-solar ratios of 3 eighths, octaeteris, and 31 eighty-fourths, Saputatio Romana, were also in use during late antiquity and sometimes competed with the 19-year cycle, which was championed by the Alexandrian Church since the late 3rd century. Given the many different flavors of lunisolar calendation, it is easy to overlook that the chief purpose of these devices was to calculate a Jewish date, the 14th of Nisan, which in Christian usage became referred to as the Easter full moon. At first glance, it would seem that Easter cycles did not fulfill this objective very successfully. Since the Jewish calendar of the Mishnah followed empirical criteria, the Christian Easter full moon was bound to deviate from 14 Nisan, as it was observed by the Jews, in many years. Christian writers from the 4th century onwards are often found polemicizing against the calendar of contemporary Jewry. A prominent early example for this stance is a lost tractate on Easter by Peter, the Patriarch of Alexandria from CA 300-310, which is fragmentarily preserved in the 7th century Chronicon Paschale. Peter accused the Jews of regularly celebrating their Paschon month too early, which in his mind was a violation of the rules once established by Moses. As he saw it, the Jewish calendar had changed for the worse after the destruction of the Second Temple, whereas his church still preserved the legitimate reckoning, which had been observed at the time of Jesus. The discrepancies, which Peter and other authors are found complaining about, seem to have mainly arisen from the rule of the equinox, which was an element characteristic of Alexandrian, and later Western, Easter reckoning. According to this rule, the Easter full moon cannot fall earlier than the 21st of March, the supposed date of the vernal equinox. If the Jews disregarded this rule in Peter's time, they were bound to celebrate Easter a month earlier on many occasions. Sasha Stern has recently confirmed this picture by showing that before the destruction of the Second Temple, the Jewish Passovers tended to fall in April rather than March, presumably in order to give pilgrims enough time to reach Jerusalem. By contrast, the available evidence for the 4th century points towards Passovers being celebrated in March and hence often ahead of the equinox. As a result, those Christians who insisted on following the Jews instead of observing the Alexandrian rules would in many cases have celebrated on a different date than the mainstream church. Their practice was condemned at the Council of Nicaea, 325, as can be inferred from a letter sent by Constantine the Great to Syrian and Palestinian bishops but apparently lingered on in parts of the East, as can be seen from the fact that John Chrysostom and an anonymous Anatolian homilist still felt the need to inveigh against dissenters in their own communities as late as 387. Christian writers in the Latin West, by contrast, had little exposure to these kinds of polemics, which mostly stem from the Greek East.
A general lack of available sources on the Jewish calendar other than the Old Testament soon led to a situation where early medieval scholars ceased to differentiate between the biblical calendar of the Hebrews and the calendar of the Jews that they may or may not have encountered in their own time. Instead, they went on to by and large identify Jewish lunar months with the lunations of the Alexandrian 19-year cycle, sometimes following an assumption that this cycle had already been revealed to Moses at Mount Sinai. The construction of new Easter cycles virtually ceased after the mid-5th century, although debates over the acceptance of particular cycles continued well into the early medieval period, especially on the British Isles, where the Celtic churches long upheld specific computational traditions that separated them from Rome. This apparent halt in technical development, however, did not lead to the kind of intellectual stagnation one might expect. Hundreds of surviving manuscripts from the 7th to the 10th century testify to the importance of the computers, the reckoning of Easter, to scientific learning and monastic education in this period, making it clear that almost every person educated in a monastic school was taught at the least the basics of the science. Authorities such as Dionysius Exegus, whose 95-year Easter table became the basis for most of subsequent medieval computistics, had provided the necessary information for finding the date of Easter but they generally remained silent on points such as the exact position of the embolismic months in the Julian calendar, the date of the leap of the moon, or the exact sequence of full and hollow months in the lunar year. This early medieval tradition of computistical textbooks reached its acme with the Temperum Ratio, written by the Northumbrian monk Bede the Venerable in 725, who became the foremost authority for Western computistics and Christian chronology until the Gregorian reform of the calendar in 1582. The Christian sees himself as the owner of the West, while with his splits and quarrels he has created only desolation in the West. Until the Christian Nazism, which almost finished to finish Europe off its young population. It would take a reformer with a huge pair of balls to save the West and to start dismantling Christianism, point by point, re-educating the youth population, undermining the church, instilling the pagan spirit, or at least a spirit that is no longer messianic and millennialist, to breathe life back into this western people. But I don't see the west doing that. Although the lunar element is present and hidden in broad daylight, Christians have no idea of their Jewish origin. Christians always complain about the Jews but are really Jews. If the Christian Westerner were not passive and resigned like the Jew, they would not let themselves be destroyed as they let themselves be destroyed psychologically. The Christian is a Jew at heart. He does not like it and seeks emancipation, but emancipation comes with the will to take his destiny in hand. What the Christian refuses to do, since the fall of Rome, and the fact that he tried to exterminate every last Jew in Europe does not change the fact that he is a Jew. Fly me to the moon Let me play up there with those stars Let me see what life is like On J -J Jupiter and Mars In other words Hold my hand In other words Baby, me Fill my heart with song Let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I work
worship and I adore In other words, please be true In other words, I love you Why don't you fill up my heart with song Let me sing forevermore In other words 